0: This is Tether Talk, the podcast where every woman is seen, heard, and known, no matter her status. Here we heal through laughter and tears. Here we hope for better relationships. And here we hold on to truth so we can live and love peacefully. good morning good morning i am back in my closet praise the lord and my voice is a lot better that cold has shifted from my diaphragm and lung area to my throat which is still irritating still frustrating but you know what it's coming out the virus is leaving hallelujah i have the victory yes jesus yes i hate being sick yo i really do I can't, I can't, I can't take it. And and so I've been making some moves with my health. Uh, one is pretty massive. Your girl is going toward that vegan life right now. <laughs> I had jerk chicken the other day and I was like, this is not good. Like, no offense, obviously. Like, I, I clearly I was eating it. One of my favorite things to eat. Um, But my body was like, no bueno, sis, you can't do this anymore. This is not for you. (laughs) Like, fall all the way back. And so I made that decision in that moment. I really felt it in my spirit, like, no more. It's it's time to just, just pull on back. And frankly speaking, I mean... Yes, that was a personal, I believe it was very much a spiritual decision. Um, It has a lot to do with where I feel like the Lord is taking me and whatnot. That's a story for another day. We got time to talk, sis. I'm going to give you the tea. I'm going to give you the gist. Don't worry. I'm going to tell you about it at some point. But right now, I'm going to get to what we're going to talk about. All that to say, there's so many reasons why I made that decision. Primarily, it was my health and the fact that jerk chicken didn't taste so good in that moment. (laughs) I was like, dang, man, I was waiting too. the girls wanted it. And I was like, absolutely. It's been a minute for mommy. And last time I went to the shop or to the restaurant, I didn't they didn't have any. They sold out. And I was like, who sells out? But I realized I came at dinner time versus lunchtime. So, yeah, I learned the lesson, went ahead and ordered it. And I was just ready to go in. And it just did not hit at all at all, and I knew in that moment, this is the voice of the Lord. Naomi, stop. Amen. It's your girl, Naomi. Like I said, I'm a Christ follower, communicator, coach, and your host here at Tether Talk. And this is the last week that I'm going to expose the characteristics that kept me away from community. In today's episode, this particular characteristic is the one that accompanied me into the pandemic of 2020 and ultimately to a place of great isolation and by God's amazing grace it was the incubator of intense self-reflection and healing for me it was really the one that that set set me off okay um it was a catalyst for great and mighty things that the lord is doing in my life so i'm so glad that you are here your girl's feeling better so hopefully i don't have as many pauses and interruptions with coughing and things like that i'm still at the tail end of this cold but it's coming up from the diaphragm and lung region to my throat and we can work with that right I'm not as congested, so I'm very, very grateful, and I'm glad that you can hopefully press through with me, listen, and uh, be encouraged and potentially entertained. Who knows, I'm thinking about a comedic career at some point, just kidding. Uh, (laughs) We shall see, but stay with me if you're out and about and sit with me if you've got a little bit of time And whatever you do be sure to sip on some of this truth while you're here and if you need some one-on-one with your girl book 30 minutes with me to calm your anxious heart so you can focus on the horizon on your way to becoming are you ready for the last one the title obviously said it so not that big of a surprise but (laughs) i'm in my closet again so i'm like yes i get to reveal and it's like no girl i press play okay condemnation Okay, not a word that we use every day unless you're a Christian. Um, and even then, Christians are scared of this word. <laughs> we don't like this word. It's like, oh no, unless we're speaking about it in the affirmative, which is in, in the promise that God has given us through Romans chapter eight. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And we love it, we hold on to it. It's so, so good. But you know. Girl, you cannot fully understand the meaning of something until you understand the meaning of something. (laughs) Life can teach you, you know, you get the connotation, but you got to get that denotation to really, really feel that thing. To understand in the depths of your soul, like, yo, this is what God is talking about when he talks about condemnation. This is what he has set us free from. We talked about being set free from shame through godly sorrow and repentance. This is kind of similar. We're going to talk about it. We're going to get into it and we're going to make this not... Uh, make this a word that is not so easily forgotten. Because if you understand condemnation, you will therefore understand or thereby understand the beauty and the blessing of the freedom that God gives us. Defined by Google Webster, condemnation is the expression of very strong disapproval or censure. Very strong (laughs) disapproval. It sounds like that though, right? This is not like, oh, guilt. That's that one syllable situation. People are like, "Oh yeah, I feel guilt." Okay, you can kind of brush up. No, you gotta sit. You gotta you gotta put some bass in your voice when you say condemnation. Condemnation. Okay, that's a lot. That is a lot. Condemn and then nation. I can go into all that right now, but I won't oh, I won't. There's so much with this word and there's so much in our season as a people, as humanity in this century that I could talk about when it comes to condemnation or the condemning of a nation. Let me stop. Let me stop. Defined, it is the expression of very strong disapproval. And some some synonyms, let me gather myself, for condemnation, censure, criticism, that's kind of light. To me, that's kind of light, but I mean, it's in the same family Um, denunciation. That's deep. Yep. Denunciation like yo, I want nothing to do with that. It's so jacked up. It's so messed up. I just denounce it completely. Damnation. That's right about. That's right. That's right about right about there. Okay. Damnation vilification strong. Okay. Disapproval flack. That's fair. A bad press. Yeah, okay. Reprobation. We talked about this last week. Romans chapter 1. Like you just reprobate. You're not even thinking. uh, We are taking whatever it is that you've done and said that you ain't got no mind with it. You're done. Um, And then we have arraignment. You know, that's alluding to judgment. Another definition of condemnation is the action of condemning someone to a punishment or a sentencing. These are really strong words, but they're strong for a reason. When you think about what God has delivered you from, and he says, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus frees you from censure, criticism, denunciation, uh, damnation, vilification, disapproval, flack, bad press, reprobation, and arrangement. Listen, some of those like bad press, disapproval, criticism they just kind of come with the territory when it comes to persecution for Christians I'm gonna make that plain but the rest are all about like you as a person and 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 who you are your essence your value your worth your um the position that you hold right your ability to fight for self it makes it really really difficult to fight for self when you've been damned when you've been vilified, when you have been, um, arraigned and condemned to punishment, it's a tough place to be. Um, some other definitions. And we, when we look at the biblical definition of, of, um, condemnation, uh, I'm, I was looking at, I don't know what I was looking at some type of like, um, dictionary, if you will, biblical dictionary. I'm not exactly sure which one it was, but I like this definition. The causation stem um, to declare, to make wrong, to condemn, whether in civil, ethical or religious relations. Um, oh, wow. And it, it, they actually say taken in this sense, the word needs no comment. You're right. Condemnation. If in the religious sects, when you hear that word, it needs no comment you just know it means that you you done you are messed up finished <laughs> there's no room you are condemned condemned to punishment condemned to death oftentimes um, another definition to fine you know condemned in the land when, when you receive a fine for something um, another definition is to judge this is the more common one judging someone's soul it's so deep This is not some basic kind of thing where, oh yeah, you know, you were wrong for that. No, 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 I condemn you. Wow, that takes a totally different turn. It doesn't make you feel happy. It doesn't make you feel like there's room. It doesn't make you feel like there's any escape. Condemnation is a jail cell. It is a prison. It is a cage. And in order to come out of that place, you need to have the right key to be delivered, to be set free. I know that you felt this way before. There's no way that, in my reading, that definition—whether the denotation, um, you know, the the cultural denotation or the scriptural or religious denotation—there's no way that you listened to that and didn't feel some like almost like the walls closing in on you. That thing is real i felt criminalized before i'm sure that you felt criminalized before in some way by your friends or your family or your foes that's a given the people that you work with the church help us jesus lovers people that you thought had your back, people that you thought loved you. We've talked about love that the, maybe you didn't understand the true meaning of love, but in the phileo love, you know, the the brotherly love, the, the feeling of like, man, that's my friend, that's my person, that those are my people. They'll never, ever do this to me. They'll never, ever condemn me. And then you get flipped and that's a deep sense of hurt. Even if you were, huh? Even if it was right for you to be judged, even if you were wrong for what it was that you did, nobody likes this feeling. Nobody likes to to be in a place where, you know, they just feel like there's no way out. And we've all been in that place before with all of these relationship statuses, with all of these relational um, You know, identifiers, whether your friends, your family, people that hate you, the haters, (laughs) you know, the church or the person that you feel like is supposed to have your back uh, from now until eternity, it can be really, really tough. So today I'm actually going to a passage, one passage. I have so many scriptures that I could tackle right now. But when I landed on this one this morning, I just said to myself, you know what? Just like last week, I don't want to do this but i ain't got no choice okay like there's no way i can talk about condemnation without actually and then tying it into my testimony without actually coming to this particular passage of scripture it's the scripture that epitomized godly godly sorrow in my life like epitomized it when i understood this text as it related to me and my folly and my sin and my choices it radically shifted my view of God's love and the freedom that God's love brings to me. Like, hands down. Yes, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I love it. I love all the three sixteens, right? I get it. I receive it. Christ is my savior. I rock with Jesus. Like, amen. All that's there, but there's something to be said about reading the word of God and then seeing yourself in the scripture, seeing how God has delivered you, seeing how there's no condemnation in your life anymore because of the saving work of Jesus Christ. When I read this passage, it's one of those for me. And so I wanted to share it with you today. If you would open your Bible, if you have it, to John chapter eight, one of the most dope passages in the whole bible it is so full of truth i'm only gonna read one section of it right now but if you have the time please read it from beginning to end it'll change your life real talk i'm gonna grab some water hold on all right john chapter 8 yes you see the title right there an adulteress forgiven. I'm reading from the CSB version. At dawn, he went to the temple again. This is Jesus. And all the people were coming to him. He sat down and began to teach them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in adultery, making her stand in the center. Teacher, they said to him, this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery. And the law of Moses commanded uh, the law of Moses commands us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? Mm, I'm going to reserve my thoughts for a second. They asked him this to trap him in order that they might have evidence to accuse him. Jesus stooped down and started writing on the ground with his finger. When they persisted in questioning him, he stood up and said to them, "The one without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her." Then he stooped down again and continued riding on the ground. When they heard this, they left one by one, starting with the older men. Only one was left with the woman at the center. I'm sorry, only he was left with the woman in the center. When Jesus stood up, he said to her, "'Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you?' "'No one, Lord,' she answered. "'Neither do I condemn you,' Jesus said." go and from now on do not sin anymore. I love this so much. I love this so much. Before I do my best in this moment to kind of break this passage down, I do want to say that there are some amazing exegesis of this particular passage um, that you can find on your own and you can listen to. You can take this passage right here and study it for a good long minute, which is one thing that I'm actually doing right now. (laughs) I'm studying this passage until I feel like I have received all the revelation I can from it, which will probably never ever happen. So it's gonna be on my list of life scriptures forever. That said, I'm gonna do my due diligence in giving you a very brief exegesis of this text and why it is important for us today beginning of the passage says at dawn he jesus went down to the temple and all the people were coming to him he sat down and began to teach them god's doing his thing jesus is doing his thing yes he is god he is god made flesh he is fully god and fully man so he's doing his thing he's teaching then the scribes and the pharisees come and they bring this woman who was caught in the act of adultery and they make her stand in the center imagine the picture oh my gosh this woman is being literally dragged because adultery is a capital offense for them it is uh, a, an offense that that warrants death <clears throat> which is what they said but they drag this woman to jesus and put him in, put her in the center right and they they respond to jesus and they say to jesus this woman was caught in the act of committing adultery In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What they failed to also say, which Jesus already knew this, he knew what they were doing, but what they failed to also say is that anyone who was caught in the act of adultery should be stoned, which means the man that she was committing adultery with should also have been placed in the center. However, they just conveniently left him at home to take a cold shower and brought this woman in her embarrassment and put her at the center. Why did they do this? Because they wanted to trap him, verse six says, in order that that they may have evidence against him. They got a bone to pick with Jesus. They don't like him since he came on the scene first of all they hated his cousin john the baptist this man was walking around looking disheveled eating lotus living in the wilderness eating lotus and wild honey coming back to the village coming back to jerusalem coming to the temple and telling all the people to repent for the kingdom of heaven was at hand they didn't like him too much right they didn't like his message very strong you evil people (laughs) repent the lord is coming and then here comes Jesus and he's teaching about the kingdom. He's performing all these miracles. He's saying he's God. They don't like the man at all. They're trying to find ways to trap him, but they can't. They don't have anything on him. There's nothing. Every time they ask him questions, anytime they put they put the word against him, he is the word. He fulfills the world. The, world. the Bible says in, in John chapter one, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was God and Jesus is the word made flesh. You cannot use the word to come against the word. You're gonna lose and rather than receive that because they don't have ears to hear or eyes to see they continually try to put him in positions where he is trapped which he is not going to be but rather than bringing these two people they bring just this woman because it's easy to come against a woman in this day yes this day and this day amen that day and this day to objectify this woman. She's but a pawn, she's but a toy, she's but a tool for their end game, which is to trap Jesus. So they try to do that. But then Jesus, knowing what they were going to do, cause he's God, he's omniscient, he knows everything. Knowing what they were going to do, my Lord is what he does, he's so dope. He stoops down and starts writing on the ground with his finger. Hello, somebody. There's so much with that right there as it is, because the only other time you hear of God writing anything with his finger is back when the Lord hands Moses the the commandments (laughs) and he writes it with his own finger. Right. Like, amen. The word of the Lord. These are my commands. This is what it is. That's the only other time that you're gonna see that particular reference go study it take your time do all that we'll talk about it some other time but for now jesus stoops down and does similar thing he writes on the ground with his finger when they persisted in questioning him he stood up and said to them the one without sin among you should be the first to cast a stone at her that's so deep okay you can only assume At least this is my interpretation of this particular text. You can assume that what he wrote down are potential sins. (laughs) Maybe the very commandments that his father gave Moses on Mount Sinai, right? Maybe he's writing some of those things down. Okay, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And maybe he's doing that. That's my only thought because he stands up and says, the one who is without sin among you should be the first to throw a stone at her. Then he stooped down again and continued writing on the ground. So he gives them a little taste like, okay, but here you go. Boom, 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 stands up and gives them that goes right back down, writes again on the ground. And when they heard this, I think that's interesting. When they heard this, they heard what him saying? If you're without sin, whoever is without sin among you should cast the first stone. When they heard this, they left one by one comma, starting with the older men. That's another reason why I lean toward these are potential sins that he was writing on the ground. And if you're older, that means you've lived a little bit, right? You've been through some stuff, Back in the day, stories are on lock, right? When I was your age, stories can come out of your mouth with a quickness. So the older to the younger start walking away because the older you are, the more life you've lived and potentially the more sins you've committed. And so they start walking away and eventually only he was left with the woman in the center. And when Jesus stands up, he said to her, the woman, woman, where are they? has no one condemned you? And she responds, no one, Lord. Then he responds, neither do I condemn you, said Jesus. Go, and from now on, sin no more. Jesus asked a rhetorical question, where are they? Well, they're gone. Because they know they can't throw nothing at her because they know that their hands are also dirty they know that they're out of order they know that they are not pure if you are pure cast a stone but you're not so walk away and they did and he says has no one condemned you she says no one lord then he says which i think is so beautiful and even though we read in this passage that they did this to try to trap jesus if you read the gospels you understand who jesus is and john the uh, the disciple of jesus the disciple jesus loved as he so coined himself john writes his gospel and he emphasizes who Jesus is. He is the Messiah. He is I am. He is bread of life. He is the gate. He is the light of the world. And he gives all these I am statements. And he talks about who Jesus is pointing him to being the Messiah, the savior of the world, the one who comes to take away our sin and to relieve us, to re- to, to restore us and to give us life once more, to set us free from condemnation. So it, it's only fitting that even though they came to trap Jesus. He is the only one who can truly set her free. He is the only one in that moment who can truly judge her. But he says to her, since nobody is here to do this because they can't, and I've proven so by way of what just happened in this moment, the situation that was caused to trap me. It ain't even had enough. It had nothing to do with her, because if it had everything, anything to do with the sin itself, the man that she was with would have been in the midst of that circle as well. But it had nothing to do with her. And I look, 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 let me not read into the text. But I'm like, yo, that man probably could have been right there with them. He might have been one of those men who was set up to accuse her. He might have been somebody who had been paid on the side to be like, hey, bro, go ahead and trap your girl. And then we're going to put her out there. Yeah, I don't like her anyway. She's wasted to me. She's defiled to me anyway. Well, guess what? If you don't say anything, we'll pay you this money and then we're going we're gonna to put her on trial and we're going to trap Jesus. It was all a setup. But I guarantee you, that man was probably standing right there looking proud because you got some Pharisees with you. You got your boys. Everybody's coming against this one woman who's been used as a pawn to trap a man who's about to put you in your place. And he's been doing that the whole time, but you ain't getting it. Okay, here we go. And he does it. And he stands with her. And he says with all authority, because he is ultimately the one who can can judge and says to her, neither do I condemn you. Then he says something so beautiful. And this is the thing that rocks me. This is the thing that set me free. Go and from now on, do not sin anymore. From now on, do not sin anymore. How do you keep your freedom from condemnation by not going back to the thing that made you condemned, that that condemned you? You don't go back to it. If you go back to it, you're worse off because <laughs> you didn't learn, you didn't understand the value of the freedom that you have, or you just love sin so much and you ain't really changed. That can be true too. In which case, uh it's you boo you made your choice and now we know where you stand you love evil you love wickedness you are wicked your heart is wicked you love reveling in that so stay in the filth that's your choice but to be caught or to be trapped however you got there or to be exposed and then to be set free from condemnation from judgment from penalty from fine, from vilification or whatever the case may be, to be set free from that and then to return is to not value one's freedom, is to not value the gift. But if you go and from that point, sin no more, freedom, my friend, is a beautiful thing. It is a lovely thing. It is a worthwhile thing. It is a sweet thing. Have you ever been a spectacle before? Have you ever been put on display? Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you know that there's no way out? And the only one who can set you free is Jesus. Whether or not you are a Christian and you're listening to this, if you are a Christian, I know, I know that you know, that you know, that you know, you have been in this place before. Whether prior to your salvation story when you came and finally accepted Christ as your Lord and savior, or in this process of sanctification as you are being made in the image of Christ until the day that you see him face to face, you've had your valleys, you've had your moments, you've given way to anger or frustration or lust or, or, or greed or whatever it is, seven deadly sins, whatever you wanna call it, you've had your moments. And if you're not a Christian, you've been in a situation where your conscience has pricked you and you've been like, dang, I definitely jacked that up, messed that junk up, and now I'm exposed, now I'm being ridiculed, now I'm being put on blast. Like I know everyone is. every one of us has been in that place before. The only way out of the penalty, the only way out of the feelings of guilt, or the only way out of the spectacle, out of the center of the circle, or the only way that others can walk away (laughs) is if you bring it to Jesus. And this is where I bring my confession. So as of last week, you know that I married a second time. Married a second time was with this man. I knew within the first month wrong decision i knew all the way through wrong decision we talked about it shame led me into that marriage shame led me to have a bling colored glasses that allowed me to see something as an answer to cover up my previous folly from pride and we know that that doesn't work you can't use sin to cover sin you can't use anything less than divine anything less than heaven to cover something earthly you can't do that You can't yet i did and i found myself in a situation that was less than ideal and now i'm dealing with all of the thoughts about well this is the second time i know this isn't right this isn't the person it's not the one he's not the one but because i had dealt with the previous situation i was so overcome with shame all the more (laughs) that i was like ain't no way i'm not gonna like put in work Let me see if i can make this work because there's no way i'm gonna be 27 and divorced twice oh heck no i'm not doing that so once again i stayed (laughs) i stayed and this time unfortunately it was not going to be like the first time right i went into this one eyes open same situation made my decision found myself in the situation still not fully understanding the value and the importance of marriage but i still did i still walked into it i made a commitment and from 2013 until the birth of my first child it was pain (laughs) emotional turmoil sleepless nights tossing and turning weirdest experiences (laughs) You have to read my book to, to get the details. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. Like the details. I'm talking uh, stuff that I never ever thought would happen in my life. Experiences that I would never dream of. Yeah, that kind of stuff. First, first three years. Um, and then, uh, let me see, what was that, 2013? Yeah, a couple of years. And then the birth of my daughter. And then once you have a child, Come on, sis. Once you have a child, you're like, yo, what do I look like? Now I'm going to be completely selfish if I walk away from this. My child may have a, da- a father, but they may not have a dad. Like, what does that look like? I didn't know how to deal with that. And so I stayed. I stayed until 2020, uh, 2017. 2017, I started getting really, really sick. I started having vertigo. I started at vertigo. I know some. You know it's a, when you're when you're you're in a headache and you're constantly you feel like you're spinning. I started having vertigo. My mind, my thoughts were so overcome with all of the things that were going on in the marriage, emotional abuse. I'ma call it. I've forgiven him, amen. But I'm tell you like it is. Emotional abuse, spiritual abuse a misunderstanding of marriage a misunderstanding on both sides for me it was like oh i'm gonna use this to cover up the last one even though i understood what marriage was like what the bible said about marriage in that time i was like i'm not gonna keep dealing with this previous testimony i gotta cover this up i'm not gonna have this in my life marriage covers marriage right no (laughs) god's healing covers marriage god's healing covers divorce God's blood covers a multitude of sin. Christ's blood covers a multitude of sin. I missed it. I missed it. And I thought that I could do this on my own. And that led me to a relationship that was emotionally abusive, a relationship that was spiritually abusive and and thereby became physically abusive. Did he lay a hand on me? No, but the body keeps the score, my friend. Yes, it does. The body keeps the score, and all of those things that were going on in my mind, in my heart, in my spirit, started to manifest in my body. And I started having vertigo. I had vertigo for two and a half years. <laughs> um, I started having um, difficulty um, reasoning and thinking. I, during that time, I, um, you know, decided, you know what, it's time for us to try to find counseling no this man said no <laughs> in fact his words were we have Jesus and if we have Jesus that all we need to do is read the Bible and we just need to submit you just know not we you just need to submit not we complicit completely missing the point God is the head of Christ Christ is the head of man man is the head of woman in marriage in marriage but you are not submitting to the Lord, but you want me to submit and rather than get help, rather than have some assistance, because that's what God also has given us. He's given us the body of Christ. He's given us support, human beings that we can go to, to help us navigate. You said, no. Anyway, uh, 2017 through 2018, again, I'm, I'm sick. And one day I remember very, very, very clearly um we had some a conversation with one of our mentors at the time, a couple that was mentoring us at the time. They came to a conclusion that I had already come to years before, which is go ahead and y'all need professional help. You need professional counseling. I said, finally, thank you so much for because he's not listening to me. But since you were his chosen mentor couple i'm finally glad that you are saying that and he can hear from you himself we took the recommendation we went to the house that we were living which was not our home at the time another one of those issues that we were dealing with went to this place that we were living and i said now you've heard it from somebody that you say that you finally trust it's time for us to go to counseling this man took that piece of paper and that card Tore it in my face, put it in the trash, and said, No. Like I said, you just need to submit. In that moment, I am ashamed to say, but this is my life. I got into my car, I left, I drove to the parking lot of the church that we were attending at the time. Yes, I did. And I stood on the edge of the cliff right there with my car and in that moment spent the next however long it was contemplating taking my life and it wasn't until i turned on the ignition and i put the car in drive and i was about to release that the lord allowed a friend of mine who i love to this day to call me and ask me one question naomi what are you doing right now I mean, how do you answer that question (laughs) when you're in the midst of an attempt, right? But it was a good question. And God knows how to get my attention. What are you doing? And I told her what I was trying to do in that moment. And she spoke life into me. She spoke life into me and told me that she and her husband had been praying and the Lord placed me on their heart. They were aware of some of the things that we'd been going through. But in that moment, her husband said, hey, why don't we help her um, to get counseling for herself? And she just so happened to call me in that moment to share that with me. But she said for whatever reason i felt like i needed to ask you what you are doing right now and i was like that was the lord (laughs) amen saint of god (laughs) you hear the lord girl you hear the lord and i had to tell my i had to tell her what it was and then i you know in that moment i was like lord amen what am i doing and he said your life is more important your life is more important and so from there I started going to individual counseling. I'd done counseling before, again, for my previous situation and everything like that. But in this moment, at this time, in this marriage, I was focused a lot on us getting couples counseling because that was something that I thought was most important at the time. And I had I had accountability. I had um, people around me at the time. I was thriving as best as I could. Um, but I knew that we needed help. However, the Lord said, no, if he's not willing, your life is more important. And so they offered me, I think, six to seven um, sessions um, to go wherever I chose. And I had somebody already. I just didn't have the money at the time. So praise the Lord for the influx of income and provision um, to be able to do that. I did that. And then there was one point where I was also redirected to another program another program that was hosted by the church we were attending it was a 16 week program for marriages that were kind of on the rocks or just marriages that wanted to be rebuilt and so i shared it with him and um the only reason why he accepted to do it was because um there was a possibility to do teaching at the end of it hilarious right read my book you'll understand why anyway so he agreed to do it and it was not professional counseling it was again a presentation of a marriage group and you know it's just an opportunity for people to come together in a group and go through this book for a period of time so we did that two and a half rounds of that program in the midst of lies in the midst of more lies in the midst of more lives lies i'm sorry and it got to a point where i was ready to finally say you know what i'm done and then one day i met a young lady during worship and um she reached out to me and she's like oh tell me a little bit about you and in my last ditch attempt i said to the lord i'm gonna keep fighting i'm gonna keep figuring out how to get this thing done i reached out to her and told her my story and she's like it just so happens of course just so happens that my husband is one of the co-leaders for a group for difficult men and their wives and i was like interesting at that point i was like i ain't even worried about this because i am done done i'm more focused on my health i'm still going through vertigo oh by the way oh by the way Another reason why the Lord spared my life, I don't even know how I missed this because I had that moment, you know, when you get back to that place and I had to pause for a second. The same week that I tried to take my life was the week that I found out I was pregnant with my second daughter. Come on, somebody. So the Lord knew, he said, your life is more important. And the reason why my life was more important was not just because of my own life, but the life of the child that was inside of me. So praise the Lord. And she is such a sweet baby girl. I love her so much. All that to say, this group found me. Let's say that I did not go looking for it. It found me and it was a group to support difficult men and their wives anyway i was like no she's like give it a try i'm like bet whatever y'all talk to him it is what it is he joined this group of men and after 18 months from their mouths he had learned nothing and after counsel they let me know that it would take years for someone like him to change and at that point i realized "Mm, i don't know if i have years and they also requested or you know uh i wouldn't say requested but they recommended strongly that i separate and i did with a swiftness because i needed my life i needed to survive i needed peace i needed freedom i'm sorry you're hearing some hammering my dad is doing some tinkering right now so please bear with me in that give me one second i bless my dad so much i was like dad (laughs) so i think he's gonna pause until i get done anyway yes so they recommended and i did it with a swiftness i had to protect myself i had to protect my life i had to protect my life and the life of my children were they in immediate danger absolutely not were they in long-term danger i definitely believe so to not have a healthy mother or a healthy father sets them up up for some craziness (laughs) and so that was very very important to me Um, and so I did separate and within two weeks of separating my entire body healed No more headaches no more vertigo, no more trips to the emergency room for heart palpitations and um, inability to breathe and uh, Swelling of my 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 wrists and my ankles just randomly all that stuff all of that ceased and I was free in my body. No longer. I could sleep. Oh my gosh. says I could sleep. The entire marriage, I was always awakened by crazy dreams or tension or whatever the case may be. And after he left, after I separated myself from him, freedom in my body, in my members, in my mind. Um, And also during this separation, unfortunately, things escalated. And so Within four to five months of that decision um, to separate, I made the final decision um, for my soul, and that was to divorce for the second time. I followed peace, you know. Um, I followed peace in that moment. I'm of the I'm of the the camp that will never ever say God told me to do something, but I do believe that God makes provision for things and I followed peace in the moment and in my following peace, the Lord in my opinion led me (laughs) to a group of attorneys that specialize in helping moms without income divorce and to this day I kid you not I cannot find that resource at the time I found it very quickly today If I Google it, if I go into my email and try to find it, I cannot find it. I can't you not. I don't know where it is. I feel like it was a divine situation. And I found that resource, made that decision. um, And yeah, was able to file papers myself, even though the mountain in front of me was like, oh, You know, it's going to be hard when you have kids and all this stuff and whatnot. Yo, read my book. I keep saying that. I haven't even fully read, written this book yet. But when it comes out, read the book. (laughs) Please read the book. There's so many details in it that you cannot miss when it comes to the salvation of God in my life. Amen. When I made this decision with the provision and with the peace that I had in my spirit, it immediately made me an outcast. While my ex received all the support because the belief was that if he was healed, the household would be better, while I was told to sit and wait for him to be better. No resources given, no recommendations for counseling, The only thing I had was an open line of communication to call them and to give them updates on how he was progressing and or regressing, but nothing for me, nothing for me. I was completely on my own. And then in 2020, after four or five months, like I said, I decided to go ahead and and file for a divorce. And interestingly enough, completely unplanned, we signed those papers on the day that would have been my seven-year anniversary. (laughs) This is not funny at all. I'm only laughing because seven is the number of completion. And in that moment, I didn't even realize it until I got home and I looked at the paperwork and I was about to go ahead and seal it and send it to the court. I was like, wow, seven years, like it's done and I'm good. I felt free. I knew it was time. But I was also condemned I was caught I was caught as a woman having been you know in a tough situation in a un, in an unbearable situation but to the rest of the world at least the people that were closest to me while I had some supporters the people that were part of this group that were supposed to be walking with me and also encouraging you know the moment that I made the decision to say you know what I can't do this anymore I was officially a woman that was living under a broken covenant. And while God, divorce is not God's desire, he did allow accommodations for it. He did it with Moses when the hearts of men became hardened and they were evil towards their wives. Um, And he does it in the case of adultery. He does it in the case of abuse and he does it in the case of abandonment all of which I believe are proven in scripture. And I will talk about that later. I will give you my views on what I believe are the real reasons and the only biblical reasons for divorce. But I will go deeper into that on my YouTube channel for divorcees that's coming out in 2024. Yes, I did that because it's a real thing. And that's part of my mission here at Tether. Amen. The point is... I too sinned like the woman caught in adultery by breaking covenant. And it was public. It was known because I was publicly married. Everybody knew I was married. And then the moment I decided to get a divorce, everybody knew I was getting a divorce. And while I felt condemned by the people around me, namely Christians, which is unfortunate, I was not the only sinner. (laughs) Because nobody can condemn you. No one knows your situation. They can help you to find out if you have grounds for something. They can tell you that you're out of order and and help you to come back to the narrow way, the right way. But when it comes to condemnation, no one can truly say that they are without sin. Divorce is a decision. Divorce is a sin. Divorce has consequences, It's the breaking of a covenant and it's painful and it's a unique type of grief. But divorce is not the unforgivable sin. Not believing in Jesus is. Rejecting Jesus is unforgivable. And it is the only reason without... It's the only reason... I was going to say without repentance, but if you repent, then you haven't rejected him. It's the only reason why people will go to hell. Every other sin, every other sin that you see in the Bible can be forgiven, can be atoned for, is atoned for by the blood of Christ if you repent, if you ask God for forgiveness, if you change the way you think about it and you turn toward God. And that's what I did with divorce. I made a decision for my life, and then I turned to the Lord. And I made a decision to go and sin no more. All this was happening in 2020. September of 2020, it was official. During lockdown, while I felt the most peace because I was safe at home and I still was struggling with anxiety, I also felt a very deep longing not to be seen, but to be understood by somebody, to be fully known. And Jesus met me in that place and showed me the passage that I just read to you, John chapter eight, about the adulterous woman. And then he gave me life in the verses that follow. I'm gonna read these scriptures very, very quickly before I close um, and end this episode, but I feel like they're so important to why I was able to get back up again. Jesus spoke to them, this is John chapter eight, verse 12, saying, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself. Your testimony is not valid. Even if I testify about myself, Jesus replied, my testimony is true because I know where I come from and where I'm going, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge by human standards. I judge no one, and if I do judge, my judgment is true, because it is not I alone who judge, but I and the Father who sent me. Even in your law it is written that the testimony of two witnesses is true. I am the one who testifies about myself and the father who sent me testifies about me. Then they asked him, where is your father? Jesus does not even answer that question. (laughs) He says, you neither know me nor my father. If you knew, you would also know my father. He's like, I ain't even gonna answer that question. Why am I gonna father myself? Let me stop. Verse 20, he spoke these words by the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one seized him because his hour had not yet come. I love this. I love how Jesus responds to the Pharisees who were like, oh, okay, that's all well and good, Well, who's your father? They want to hear him say that he is the son of God again. They want to hear him say, Jesus knows. And that's why he doesn't answer the question. He's like, if you knew me, then you would know the father. Like, if you really know me, then you would know the father, that's it. The beautiful thing about this though, is that he says that he's the light of the world. And if anyone follows him, we'll never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And this is right after he tells the woman caught in adultery, who condemns you? No one, okay, neither do I. Go get up and sin no more. How do you sin no more? By following the light of the world. Who is the light of the world? Jesus is the light of the world. And how does he have authority to say what he's saying? Because he speaks the heart of the Father. Jesus speaks the heart of the Father. And when he sets you free, the witness of two is true because he speaks on behalf of the Father and you are free indeed. When I read this passage during that season of my life and I read the following verses, that spoke to Jesus being the light of the world and my freedom from darkness by following him as my light, it was all good from there. Yeah. Did I still have to get counseling? Absolutely. Did I still have to have people pray over me and walk through and go through these what is almost three years of like pressing through and overcoming and and starting over relearning life absolutely but i was not about to let condemnation keep me from a place of longing longing to be seen and to be known and to be loved and that is what i'm going to commission you today sis when you are freed you aren't freed for nothing when God delivers you, when Christ takes you out of the pit, you are not delivered for nothing. You are free with the promise of relationship with God. First and foremost, he frees you to be in relationship with him. You are freed to then follow him. You are free to then dwell with him because you got to stay connected. And then you're free to know life in him. If he's the one who set you free, and you're now free indeed. Why wouldn't you stay in him? Remain in him, abide in him, cling to him, stay with him. That's the only way that I've made it these last three years is holding on to Jesus. Do I have people in my life? Absolutely. And did the longing for that draw me with a desire to be reconciled to community again, even though I felt condemned by the community who abandoned me? Absolutely. But if you're longing for freedom from condemnation, look around, no one condemns you. They cannot because they are not free of sin. The one who can also does not condemn you. If you bring your sin to the Lord, bring your sin to Jesus. If you bring your pride to Jesus, if you bring your shame to Jesus and don't wait to be caught and you don't wait to be exposed and you tell on yourself, come on somebody, sometimes freedom comes faster when you just tell on yourself. Do that, that's my way now. Oh no, I'ma run and tell Jesus myself. (laughs) I'm not going to get caught. I'm not going to let somebody else be the one to bring it. No, 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 no. I'm going to run and tell on myself and then I'm going to hide behind the one who was righteous. The one whose blood covers a multitude of sins because he's the one who will ultimately advocate for me before the Father. He will advocate for you before the Father and set you free to live in him. He'll set you free to live with him. He'll set you free to live for him. And that is the point. There's something that you are meant to do in this life and you cannot allow your sin to derail you. Sin that is unforgiven leads to condemnation. Sin that is exposed and brought before the Father will be cut off, will be covered by the blood of Christ and will you'll be set free from that to go and live and do the life that God has called you to do. To be and do as God has called for you. When I finally embraced this thing for myself, I was so comfortable being quarantined. Yes, I was so comfortable with being in my own space. And of of course, again, living in that place of anxiety that I didn't go anywhere. I didn't move. But that was the command. You are free. Now go and sin no more. But I didn't know where to go. I didn't know where to go. So by the time I received this truth for myself and I grappled with the fact that I had come from a place of doing and I came from a place of strength and I felt like I was supported and then all of a sudden I was abandoned I was I was you know cast off. <laughs> I was vilified, let's be real. I was straight vilified. Um, especially because there was so much more support for him than there was for me, but whatever. Vilified because I made the decision to, to yes, to break that that particular situation that I believe was already broken. The reason why I came to that decision in the first place is because the covenant was not being upheld. That's the truth. It was already broken, but I made a decision to say in public, it's really done. I'm not gonna sit here and hide. I'm expose it. Even if that exposing means that I have to make a decision that's not ideal to make it plain what the reality is of my situation. I started with purpose, I ended up feeling isolated and cast off ostracized all of that god found me he healed me you're not condemned you're free go and sin no more but i didn't know where to go and then i got a phone call one phone call (laughs) in the end of 20 middle of 2021 and that phone call led me to my current community where i am right now on assignment as a worshiper i'm on assignment as an intercessor on assignment as a leader, as a lover of God's people. And in this season, I'm so grateful to be learning how to forgive. I'm so grateful to be learning how to trust again, how to confess and how not to sin in romantic relationships. Your girl, your girl's got that on lock. I know how not to do it. And listen, you may not want a divorcee as your mentor, but that's who I'm gonna be for you, real talk. And when we talk about relationships and we get to that place, amen, here I am. We're gonna start talking about why community matters when it comes to relationships. We're gonna talk about our goals for this podcast and how we live and love no matter our relationship status. And I'm telling you right now, sis, if you want this, for your life, you want this kind of freedom for your life. You need to relinquish yourself from condemnation by telling on yourself at the foot of the cross and allowing Jesus to set you free. There's nothing like it. This freedom right here is so, 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 so good. And when God when God renews, he does that thing so clean. I kid you not I'm looking at my life right now and I'm not where I quote unquote know that the Lord is taking me but I am exactly where he has me today and I'm telling you the bliss that I have in my spirit is unmatched the peace that I have in my soul is unmatched the mercy that I wake up to every single morning is unmatched The confidence that I have in Jesus Christ, that he sees me, knows me and loves me is unmatched. The confidence that I have that God has called me for such a time as this to go forth and to share his truth and his word is unmatched. I'm brave because Jesus is with me. I'm brave because he sent me and he sent me to you and he's sending you to somebody else. So sip on whatever you got to get from this living water right here, this word. Grab your cup, go deep in the well. Go deep in the well of the living water that is the word of God and pull that junk up, refresh yourself and then go and do likewise. This is not just a testimony for an adulterous woman. This is not just a testimony for divorcee. This is not just a testimony of a woman gone bad, gone rogue or whatever, who turned her life around. No, this is the word of the Lord for anybody who wills to have it. That's you. That is you. I know I have spent a lot of time talking about community, but there is a reason for it. I know I've talked about Talk Plus. It is coming. There is a reason for it. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't care if this community starts with two people. Because <laughs> I'm telling you, those two people are going to get everything I got. I don't care. Go therefore and make disciples. I'm pouring out everything. I'm going to let God determine who is earmarked to hear his word through me. I don't get to decide that. What I do have a choice in is whether or not I'm going to be obedient. And he said, no one condemns you, Naomi, go, sin no more. And my going is following peace. My going is following the call of of the Lord on my life. And his call for me is to make disciples and to do it this way, through speaking, through writing, and through mentoring. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. So if you want to be a part of this with me, stick around, get comfortable, loosen up, untie that belt, come with your stuff, your baggage, as pretty or as ugly as it may be. I don't care, but we're gonna grow here and we're gonna go (laughs) somewhere. You're not gonna sit here, you're not gonna stay here. You might you might come and visit every once in a while, but the goal is not for you to just kick it with me forever. No, 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 no. But if you need something, and the Lord has brought you here, and you wanna go deep, and you, and you can rock with what God is saying through me to you, amen, sis, let's get to work. And it starts with you making a commitment to being a part of a community. Welcome to Tether Mission, that's what we do here. That is what we do here. So, like I said, coming up, we're gonna talk about why community matters. (laughs) I kind of already did that, so maybe I'll just jump into the goals. The goals, how we live and how we love, no matter our status. And then next month, let's go. I'm so excited, so, so excited. I know I'm taking my time, but I had to lay a foundation. I cannot build on something that's not strong, that does not make sense. I don't want anybody pressing play on this podcast and be like, I don't know what she's talking about. Go to the beginning. Go to the beginning and let the foundation be laid in your heart and then the seed planted and allow the Lord to water it. And if you're only with me for a season, so be it. And if you end up being my lifelong friend, amen. I welcome you. Let's do this. Let's circle up and let's get some stuff done for his glory, for your good and for the good of others. And she's this name. Thank you so much for listening, sis. We will talk soon. I bless you until next time.